0: Welcome to the Leadership Network podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the generation next show my name is hannah granowski barnett and this is my co-host
1: aaron so excited.
0: <laughs> and also, my husband. So, kind of like my co host in life right. as well. Um, so <laughs> excited to be back with you all. We were off last week. We were at the Global Leadership Summit and we were getting better as leaders and just having a great experience there. But we're back here and we're really excited. Today, we're kicking off a three week series that's focused on this conversation around mental health. If you remember, Back in the spring, we had an amazing conversation with Lindsay Blodgett, who really helped us understand more of the importance of mental health and why we should talk about it in our churches and in our communities and as church leaders. And we had such a great response on that video. That has been one of our most watched Mm. interviews. And we believe it's because it is a truly relevant topic. If we're going to effectively reach the next generation in our world today, we see a generation that is struggling, that is wrestling with a lot of Um, anxiety and depression, suicidal ideation. They're feeling unknown, unseen. Mm. And this is a really important conversation if we're going to build churches that are are safe places for the next generation of leaders. And so we decided, well, it would be so great to kind of dive even deeper into some of these conversations through a three-week series. But to kick it off, we've brought back the one and the only, the woman herself, Lindsay Blodgett, to take us even deeper into this conversation. So, Lindsay, welcome back to the Generation Next show. Oh, thank you so
2: much. It's so fun to be with you guys. I'm telling you, I just think I'm going to start brainstorming ways that I can just insert myself into y'all's life. Let's sure. do That's
0: great. That's great. Uh, for those watching, we uh, actually just... So, Generation Distinct, if you don't know, is the nonprofit that I'm the CEO of that we both run together and um, it's our way of empowering our leaders to step into the call of God on their life. Mm. We recently had a big three-day event back in July, which is why we weren't here for one of the shows. And it was amazing. We brought in some mentors. We had almost 30 young leaders from all over the country come in. And Lindsay Plodgett was <laughs> one of the mentors we brought in as well. And that was for the first time in a long time, we got to actually be together in mm. person. Be in person, and, Yeah. yeah. Just so fun and so sweet. So we're right. so glad you you're such You're such a beautiful gift of a friend in our lives. Um, we're so excited with this conversation. Aaron, I know this is something that you really believe in as well. Something that we both talk about often that we see, hmm. you know, in the young years that we're mentoring and investing hmm. in, you know, how deeply it's affecting them. Yeah. What makes you excited that we're doing this series? Yeah,
1: I think what makes me really excited is, um, when you care about a group of people so much and you have a father or mother's heart towards a generation that is struggling deeply with either their emotions, their mental health, their um, their direction in their life, it's cool to partner with people that are experts in the field yeah. that deeply care as well. Yeah. And so what I love about this conversation that we're about to have with Lindsay is that we're going to unpack and do deep, a deeper dive into how to care for a generation that is, is struggling deeply mm-hmm. with some things. Yeah. And so, um, Lindsay, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. It is an honor and a privilege. Let's say um, someone's new watching, you know, maybe they don't know who Lindsay Blodgett Mm -hmm. is. Could you give a little bit of background real quick of who you are, where you're from, what you do?
2: Totally. So um, I am a mental health uh, clinician. My technical title is psychotherapist. Um, I work in private practice in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I, uh, see a full caseload, but I also, um, what makes my role particularly unique is I also run, um, one of our locations that, uh, for our practice. So I am the clinical supervisor, clinical director of that location. So I do, um, all supervision for 10 therapists in my building, um, and then consult with my, um, counterparts for the other two um locations across our city so we have a total of 30 something therapists um not including ourselves uh that we care for and lead and um help equip um to serve the the city of grand rapids and the state of michigan so um professionally that's me i am in the final throes of writing my dissertation so i am looking forward to that being done um really excited about that process. Um, I am a mother. Um, I am a wife, I'm a friend, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter. I, um, I believe in Christ church. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe in, um, calling her to do better. Um, And and not abandoning her, but inviting her into deeper faithfulness um, in in partnering and serving the the people that have been entrusted to her. So I'm deeply committed um, to the body of Christ um, Mm -hmm. and deeply passionate about creating systems Mm -hmm. where people are not harmed. um, Mm -hmm in any way but specifically surrounding mental health
1: wow that's so good good. yeah i love this conversation i i was just thinking recently one thing that i've been talking a lot about with some of my friends and people in ministry is like if we want to see um in the world sometimes we have to have healing in the home um i would love to before we get to the whole church ministry aspect of mental health etc i would love for you to kind of unpack maybe What is the importance of having a healthy home life um, when it comes down to mental health? And actually, what can we do as church leaders to maybe equip or partner with parents um, when it comes down to equipping the next generation um, within the home?
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I mean, I I, I think as we talk about Like a strategy perspective, right? That's a lot of what today we're going to talk about is more the pragmatic rollout of all the things that I could wax on about um, in the abstract. But what this really comes down to is a full. It needs to be a like a holistic wraparound method of recognizing what this looks like in your adults, what this can look like in your adolescents, what this Mm -hmm. can look like in your in your kids. Um, This is educating your the parents. Um, this is, um, being a safe place, uh, for parents to come to for, for adolescents to come to and Mm -hmm. not feel like they're going to, um, get shrugged off or, or, or criticize that they are failing their kids spiritually. Right. So there's a lot of, um, there's a, there's a lot packed into that in particular. Um, I mean, all of the research shows that secure attachments, um, in childhood, have profound, profound impact um, for wow. the rest of their lives. Even, I mean, and and even can impact the way that they perceive God. Wow. Um, and fascinating. So, all that to say, if if we can help equip parents yes. um, to be healthy and present, then that will have a trickle down effect, mm-hmm. right? Wow. So, if you want multi generational care in your congregation, it's not just as simple or as easy as um as sorry my lights are turning off because i'm sitting still um <laughs> and all of a sudden starting to get dark um it's not as easy as just like having a one afternoon seminar with a speaker that's great right. and that is i think really important and necessary but that's only a piece of it because yeah. there needs to be full buy-in of no we believe in um every person that we have been entrusted to care for and shepherd um, and acknowledging a lot of this you can't do without the help of Christ. <laughs> wow. Yes.
0: Yes. It's so good. And I love what you just said. It's not as simple as just bringing somebody in to have a good seminar or to even do a mental health series at church, right? Like that's a really good starting place. It's a good step. The cool thing is I think we're actually starting to see churches take those first steps. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, you know 10 15 years ago even that wasn't happening in the local church sure, sure. and i think yeah. covid spurred that on in some ways with just the the clarity and the like the obvious threat of mental health hurting so many of their their um congregation and, yeah. and i think that's a good step in the right direction but if we ever get to a point where we do one series or one sermon or one midweek about mental health and pat ourselves on the back and say we, that we did it, there's also, like, there's a threat there as well, right? Because we, then we can convince ourselves we've done enough and there's so much more to do. So today we're talking about mental health strategy, right? And yep. that's important. What are you going to say?
2: Oh, I was just going to say that, it, that that's similar to only ever talking about how to have a healthy marriage one Sunday a year?
0: Yes, mm. exactly.
1: Wow, right. Right.
2: right. Like, and I, I get it. At some point, you're responsible for trying to, like, communicate all of this important information from the pulpit or from all these things. And you only have so many Sundays in a year and you only have so. so I understand the time con- like the very real and legitimate time constraints. That's why I think it has to be a more creative thought of how can this permeate the entire culture and not only be on mental health month or mental health awareness day, we're going to talk about this. Um, but how can this just very authentically and naturally kind of permeate all aspects of the as like a core value of we yeah. believe in holistic wellness. We believe in strong marriages. We believe in strong families. We believe in strong individuals. And wow. this is a piece of that. Um, I'm wow. a big believer that we, pr- we protect what we value.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. And so if this is a value of your community, you're going to protect ways that you can equip and disciple your people into it. It's really a discipleship
0: yes. conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that You just said permeation. Like I, that's a mm. beautiful picture for me where, you know, if something is just is permeating the culture, it's not just from the pastor and it's not even just the staff. Mm. It is at that point permeated into every volunteer, every person that walks in the yeah, door, yeah. every greeter, every youth leader that is volunteering their time, mm. every person rocking babies in the nursery, right? Like every person serving coffee at the cafe in your church, every single person has to have experiences, culture. We believe in holistic healing, Mm -hmm. right? And that is why, you know, a a mental health strategy is, I believe, so important for a local church. You know, I've been thinking even as we're leading up to this conversation about the importance of this, And, you know, every single week, there is people that are walking into our Mm. churches broken, contemplating, taking their own lives. They just had a major panic attack the night before. And yet they come into our churches and they leave (laughs) with never having told anyone and never anybody noticing the signs. Mm. And it made me wonder how how can this be something where a church is trained and equipped? to notice the signs. And then once that does happen, I mean, how many youth leaders have had somebody come to them, admit something, and then nothing happens because there's not a training process for even what to do. Right. And so there's just, there's so much here, Mm -hmm. but I believe we're going to be serious about building a church for the future. We have to get this really figured out. So let's just talk about this, you know, like, let's get down into it. what what would a mental health strategy look like practically? Like if a pastor is listening to this, Mm -hmm. if a youth pastor is looking at this and they're saying, okay, I think I want to build one, what would a first step be to even start building something as big and as important as a mental health strategy for a church? Absolutely. Well, I think that's a
2: phenomenal question, but even to ask that question, we have to back up and even define what it is that they're looking to do. Right. So like Hmm. When we even say this, what do we mean? Because I think one of the biggest reasons that people never do this is they, it's a lack of confidence. Um, It's not because they don't care. (coughs) I don't buy that. I just don't. I don't buy that churches don't have these systems in place because they don't care or that they don't believe it exists. Is is that out there? I'm sure there it is, but I don't, I do not buy that is by and large what it is. Mm -hmm. I think it's a fear of... I don't know where to begin. This feels so overwhelming. And they almost get this uh, paralysis by analysis, if you will. Um, I don't know. I don't know where to start. So I'm not (laughs) going to start. Because it feels like such a big topic. And let's be real pastors. They, I mean, they, they, if they went to seminary, they're going to receive some training, but they're not going to receive the same training that I'm going to receive. So it almost feels like, you know, Oh well, you're asking me to also learn how to, like, have this whole other profession when I have this crazy to-do list and all of these things on my plate. I'm already experiencing burnout. Um, It can just feel Uh. like too much. Mm. So, in its most simplistic terms, a mental health strategy is a formalized plan Mm. that has buy-in from, like, top down.
0: Wow. Mm.
2: Around uh, education. around implementation yeah um and community response right in its most simplest ways Um, so it includes how do we want to or like maybe a what do we believe about mental health do you want like this is what science tells us this is what you know, that woman on the webinar told us, this is what I'm hearing here. This is what I'm seeing over here. Like, what do I believe from a theological lens? Mm -hmm. What do I believe about this? What does my denomination Uh, believe about this? What resources, what books are out there? Right. So even starting from that lens of maybe defining some things Mm -hmm. and wrestling through some of those things. um, I also think, so getting clear on that because your church leadership is then going to be tasked with communicating that to their volunteers um so that it does have that trickle down effect so that when someone says oh um i'm wrestling with anxiety the initial response isn't simply just to give them a bookmark with a bible verse on it
0: right wow. right uh,
2: it's it's to have a posture of compassion toward them it's to say it's to know okay well what kind of questions should i ask is this more of a ruminating worry where it could be like a um yeah, there are things that you need to submit to the Lord and like okay like maybe there are some things that that you need to um to to lay down or is this like over here this is a this is actually a chronic issue right uh, they're very different things yeah. um both matter but our responses are going to be different mm. um, both leading with compassion but the you know the the responses will be different so starting with just educating educating uh, and and this is where, bringing somebody in might be really helpful yeah, right probably. bringing someone in just to to um because pastors don't need to try to reinvent the wheel here right, right. there are people like yeah. me who are so passionate about this who have done the work on it that like i i want to alleviate that burden for pastors and leadership so they don't have to feel like they have to go get another like grad degree so that they can serve their their church well
0: mm-hmm.
2: um they don't pat like churches don't need to be all things to all people. They are called to be the church.
0: Yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and and so whether it's bringing someone like me and someone in their community, whatever, or looking at different books or resources or Bible studies, whatever that might look like, it's it's maybe putting together a list of, or a team of key people
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, that will head up this. So it's not only on the pastors, um, the burden of is on the pastor. Maybe it's, okay, this is now, we're going to task the elder board like this is a value of ours we want to we want to really put together a policy or a strategy for how we're going to respond to this from mm-hmm. a theologically sound rich place mm-hmm. that oh. serves the needs of our people wow. um so so those afternoon seminars that's that's where that would fit great at that educational piece mm-hmm. and then we're going to go into um, this concept of of implementation so this looks like um okay well we need to look at who is it that, who, who needs to know about this, like yeah. again, going very practically of like, what, what are the teams in our, in our church? What are the ministries? Who are on the first lines of defense, if you will? Mm-hmm. So we have, let's say, um, let's say it's in a youth ministry. I have a lot of experience serving in, in, um, in youth ministry. And so you have your small group leader, and then that small group leader They have an initial point of contact who's another volunteer. And then that volunteer has a point of contact who's a staff member. And then that staff member has a point of contact who's in charge of X, right? Not every church is a very large church, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And so you don't don't have to be this multi-site mega church to have an intentional mental health strategy. Um, Mm -hmm. It just requires some intentionality around acknowledging right. who's going to come into contact with these people oh. first because it's not going to be the pastor right. typically exactly. Yeah. exactly not going to be a staff member most likely it will be one of your volunteers and mm-hmm. so have you as a staff spent time training your volunteers wow. of this is what an this is what an anxiety disorder is yes mm. this yeah. is what a suicidal ideation might look like this is what somebody struggling wow. with x might look like um mm-hmm. or these are this is should someone come to you and say hey i've been having um you know self-harming thoughts i've been you know if, a, if an adolescent in your middle school ministry comes to you and said comes to a small group leader and discloses that i have to or i've been cutting yeah mm-hmm. does research mm-hmm. have a clear sense of? <clears throat> like where does confidentiality stop right mm-hmm. like as a as a policy like okay well that now that youth or that leader needs to talk to a staff member and the parents need to get involved and mm-hmm. do they know who in their community they could refer them to mm-hmm. right i'm not asking all of these churches to start counseling centers mm-hmm. what i want is for them to have a clear literally a flow chart of like if this then this and so that it can oh, alleviate some mm-hmm. of the burden and anxiety for these individuals, wow. um, because when you're in it with somebody, you want to be fully present, not going through your Rolodex yeah, to make so the right good. decision.
0: Yes, it's yeah. so good. I was just going to say really quick. I mean, that's so relevant. I've I've never heard content this practical of how to build so a spirit church. So I just want to say thank you. It's just so great. And I know. I mean, I started being a youth volunteer at my church's youth group. When I was 18 years old, I graduated out and I became a youth Mm. like a small group leader right away. And so I was a small group leader, you know, for about eight years for my same group of girls, but I was probably 19, 20, 21 when my girls started to say things like, Hey, I'm cutting and show me their Mm scars, Or I sat with multiple girls as they were contemplating taking their own lives. I I sat Mm -hmm. with them while their parents were in a divorce or when they said, I think I have an anxiety disorder. And I mean, I was a teenager, basically. I I was a kid myself. And so, you know, we had some resources, but if I would have been so crystal clear to be able to be to know, hey, I can point to this person. I I know exactly where to go with this. Man, how much more freedom so would I have felt and more equipped. So that's that's just so good. What we're you gonna say. Yeah,
1: I was just gonna say, Lindsay, I think you touched on something really relevant when it comes down to the local church. Yeah. Um, I think Craig Rochelle said it, but he said culture is what you create or what you allow. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating when you think about like a church or organization that's culturally about mental health or culturally not about mental health. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I love the whole implementation idea. I was just thinking while you're talking about, um content creation Hmm. and so when most often within the western church we have our youth pastor young and all pastor that preaches a message then there's like a content team that creates content Hmm. and then it overflows to small groups and then they go through that content totally i I would love to kind of unpack that right now. Cause we, obviously this is about the next generation, this show. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes down to creating content or having the right person in the right seat in our organization, mm-hmm. um, I'm just thinking from a, like a licensed therapist to a licensed psychologist, et cetera, someone that has a, a degree like yourself Um, how important are those things when it Mm -hmm. comes down to content creation? Um, Is that something that we should implement for the next generation?
0: Like content about (laughs) mental health?
1: Yeah. Like even when we're creating sermon series or questions, like maybe through the lens of like Mm. an individual like yourself.
2: Yeah. So, okay. So I think what I'm hearing you ask, tell me if I've totally got this wrong, but I think what I'm hearing you ask is a, like a twofold question. So one, what does it look like to create intentional content with mm-hmm. this being an awareness? And two, is there a reason that somebody with my license type would need to be involved in that process? Is that what you're asking? Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Um, so in a perfect world, <laughs> every care there will be formal care departments and licensed clinicians who can, you know, advise all of the ministries in your team. Right. That's wonderful. That would be a perfect world. Yeah. Do I think that's realistic for every church? Absolutely not. Nice. Um, right. I think that's ideal, right? right? That might be a, um, an aspirational goal, but, or an aspirational value, but not an actual val- value. Um mm. uh, because it just might not be realistic for the budget, for the reason, whatever, so many yep. reasons. Yeah. So I think it could be as simple, mm-hmm. like it could be as extravagant as creating a full mental health team where you hire people or you like bring in a consultant and whatever. Right. It, that's great. <clears throat> it's that's not realistic for everyone, and I don't want anyone to hear me today and be like, "Well, geez, like our church is mm-hmm. two hundred people on a good day and." we are trying to, like, there's, we don't have, that's just not a thing. We must not be able to do this. Like, that's the last thing that I want people to hear.
0: Um,
2: so I think what it could be is is as simple as, uh, or, or, or or reduced down to what would it look like if even just from a leadership, Hmm. they took it seriously, Sure. right? right? Like, So, that if a, if the, when the pastor or, um, when the youth minister or whatever, whoever's writing the content, are they asking some of these questions to the people on their team?
0: Mm -hmm. Right.
2: Are they listening to the kids in the youth ministry? Are they even asking for their input about what are they struggling with with mental health? Yes. Are they taking a posture of curiosity and learning? Um, yes. and and trying to even cultivate a space of um reducing the stigma mm-hmm. of if you're struggling with anxiety, then you're a bad mm-hmm. Christian. right., mm-hmm. yes. or you're unfaithful because you have depression or OCD right. or whatever, yes. right? or you experience some type of like, trauma. Mm-hmm. and there, therefore, God has left you or whatever. Mm-hmm. there's so many things that if we're not intentionally speaking to, we're unintentionally, um, co-signing. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right. Um, yeah,
1: that's great. Yeah. And so I,
2: th- I think it can be as, as robust as having a, like, meant like a mental health checklist if you will for okay so every sermon we have these people who are going to look at it and like this trusted person and they're going to like say hey like maybe be mindful of how you word this or like how you might tweak this or Mm. a call to action could be that that would be that's wonderful i also don't think that's even necessarily necessary right because i don't think you have to Talk about this explicitly in every sermon uh-huh. for you to have a culture of this because that just feels like inauthentic overkill. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, Um, but but again, if you if you value it, right. it will naturally be in the water. If mm-hmm. you will, right? Mm-hmm. right.
0: And I, I think that's so in tune that it, yeah, the idea of it's in the water, right? And how important is for there to be this awareness around it. I was recently looking back at one of the sermons that I preached a couple of years ago. And even I noticed in myself that I've learned a lot since I preached that about the mental health conversation, because at one point I was listing out all these things that might be Hmm. keeping us from our calling. And Everything I listed was choices that we make, things like addictions, things like hanging out with the wrong crowd, negative thought patterns we choose to think. And then I had anxiety in there. Mm. And I recognized as I watched it back, oh, those are two different things. I just combined anxiety in with all these lists of intentional choices that that would be Mm. uh, like a sin, a bad choice and anxiety something I totally different right mm-hmm. and so it right. even, even interesting for me to see wow me being even more aware of that I, I I heard it when I watched myself back as opposed to two years ago and I did it and that's mm-hmm. probably one of the values of making this a cultural shift in our church is that right exactly exactly well
2: and I even think again to go super practical there could be some validity in doing a a small group specifically about anxiety for your high schoolers.
0: Interesting mm-hmm. right
2: like back to school, five week temporary, right? It's a, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a topical group. We're going to meet these amount of times, or maybe it's meeting with parents of your, right. in your, like, mm-hmm. Hey, on Saturday mornings, I don't know, whatever works for the people in your community, like we're going to gather for X amount of time. Right. And wow. we're going to cover some of these topics um, yeah. so that parents can feel more educated. So even just hosting those kinds of conversations, wow. Wow. Where That's not in the sermon necessarily, but it's just showing like, hey, we have a girls, a high school girls anxiety group that's starting. Um, yeah. We would love to see
0: you there. Yes. Mm. Yes. I love an idea. I love even the idea of there being one for students and one for parents for trying to figure out what to do with their students Mm -hmm. who are wrestling with this. Um, It's interesting you said that because um, for those watching, we brought in Lindsay um, for our event, like I mentioned a few weeks back, and we had her do an on-stage interview, but then we also had her do some mentoring sessions about this conversation on mental health, anxiety, and how to sustain it as a young leader. And I was assigning our young leaders to the different breakouts and when it came to Lindsay's break, I had to tell you this, Lindsay, but there was a part of me that was a little bit nervous about assigning people to your breakout because I didn't want anyone to mm. assume that I was assuming that they sure, were doing sure. this, right? Even sure. though I knew. Yeah. Like, them, oh, you
2: have to go talk to the therapist. Like, <laughs>
0: right, right. Go talk to her. And, you know, that was my, my biggest, uh, I was a little bit nervous about that. But it was so interesting yeah. because once we got to the event, I actually had young years coming up to me and requesting boldly wow. unashamedly to be in your breakout wow. because they knew and they were very open about the fact that they needed help mm. in this conversation and i think one of the beautiful things that even wow. i mean i'm 27 i'm the youngest millennial but gen z even more they there's there's not as much within their own peer groups shame about admitting that they struggle with things like anxiety and Mm -hmm. depression and mental illness. They want help. And they're pretty open with saying, I'm not okay. And I need help. And so even you saying you can call it the high school anxiety, small group, like in my mind, if I was myself or even, you know, the generations above me, there might be this, Oh, well, they won't want to own up to that. We have to make it. You know, there was like those fight club groups that were really big of like, I'm not really struggling with pornography, I'm just going to the fight club group. Like this generation, they're really mm. open about their struggles and they don't mind signing up for something even if wow. it has it in the title. And wow. do you agree right. with that one? I completely agree with that. And you know, just like everything has a the potential for
2: a shadow side to it, I think that what I'm seeing in Gen Z and Younger is um a stark difference from some millennials and older yes. in their approach to this, in that there's actually an over identification mm-hmm. with yeah. um, right. their mental health struggles to the point where it feels like you can't know them without knowing that. And they yeah. are, um, that this is a part of their core identity, um, mm-hmm. which is a, which is an interesting yeah. sociological phenomenon, right? Yeah. Because up and like generationally before, this was like this you don't, you don't talk about it. You don't acknowledge it. You are, you you have your, you you just don't name it. And now it's like, we're naming it, which is great, but I'm seeing a shift of like, okay, well, what does it look like if we spend too much time swimming in that? And how can we bring, pull back to center? So that's a conversation Mm -hmm. for another day, but,
0: but a really interesting phenomenon that's happening. That's so great. Oh. I love this. Okay. So Lindsay, this is so valuable, so important. I'm sure a lot of our watchers are taking notes. They're texting their team. They're saying, we need to do this. We need to start creating something. We need to build that flow chart and at least create some sort, like take the first step towards creating a strategy. Mm-hmm. How do we start rolling this out? Okay. So let's say they get to the point they have the flowchart. They have the process. They have I know who's the direct report to who to make sure that they get then onboarded into a, a you know a mental health counselor or whatever that is. Like, do we roll this out by saying, okay, ta-da, here it is, and put it publicly on social media? Do we have a big training moment where we have everyone come in? Is this more of an individualistic thing? Is this gradual? Like, what's the best way? for a church to start rolling this out in their community?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And to be totally frank, I think it will shift depending on the the specifics of the community. If you have a smaller community where you can um, meet individually or it it doesn't feel like it has to be as much of a to-do, if you will, um, then, then that's great for some other communities it's like no this is a, this is it take you know it takes a long time to move a really large ship <laughs> um uh, no. so you that could look like um something that the the church that i um used to serve at th- that i thought they did really well was every sunday night was when our high school ministry met okay mm-hmm. um before that we had what was called leader meeting mm-hmm. um and we would eat dinner together they'd get us pizza and yeah. uh or or whatever and mental health is not there's not a correlation between mental health with pizza but i would be very curious to look at that study um <laughs> and uh and then they would spend time it would be a time for community among leaders and then also time for training mm-hmm. um where they would talk about any important things that need to happen Any things that like, Hey, we want to talk, we're going to talk about this topic tonight and how you might be aware of this. Um, and that was just a part of the culture and it wasn't this big to do. It was, and you know, most people are pretty food motivated. So they got us there with food. Um, and most of us in that season were, you know, young college students. So they got us there with food and, um, and they just created like, hey, we're gonna create space to invest in you as leaders mm-hmm. for 40, you know, half hour to 45 minutes to an hour before students get here so that you actually know, like that you feel like you know what who your people are. How can we care for you while you care for them? Wow. Um mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. that was one of the most um healthy systems that I've seen in place. Was it perfect? Of course not, but it was really good. Um and so I think a a church can start implementing this by looking at your ministries. Um, who are your ministry teams? Who are your ministry leaders heads? Right. And, and this is true. If you have a church of 50 or a church of 5,000, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have different people who are serving in different capacities. So look at your the ministry leaders. You're going to give this, you're going to make sure they are clear on this. You're going to mm-hmm. equip them. You're going to train them. And then you're going to empower them to do that with their leaders. Um mm-hmm. uh, Again, it's, it's really a model of discipling them. It, it's discipleship in this. So, um, that is, that is, that is something that I think would be real. And then it's just repeating it, right? It's, it's not just sending them a PDF that gets thrown into something and then nobody thinks about it again. It's like, cause we, we, we perform what we practice um and so if we if if as a culture it's like hey these are in the conversations and hey do you feel good about this or hey how has this come up in your life Mm -hmm. are you giving space for your leaders to talk about their own stuff Mm -hmm. um what's coming up for you how do we like this this is one of those things where if you pull the thread there's i think there's a lot of richness to be had but if you pull the thread there there has the potential for some things to feel a little chaotic at first yeah. as there's healing and rebuilding. That's wow, really that's good. So and, good.
0: And, a, and a healthy, not warning, but a healthy thing to be aware of, right? That if we think this is just going to roll out clean and tidy and we can say, great. Now we have our mental health strategy. We have to also be ready for all the people mm-hmm. to finally be able to have the safe place to share. And we have to be ready for that. yeah. that's really real. Yeah.
1: That's so good. Lindsay, this um, is,
2: Go for it. Oh, oh, I was just gonna say another thing that I think can just be again super practically is if you if you are in a community and you don't know at least five therapists that you would feel comfortable referring somebody in your congregation to, start Googling.
0: That's great.
2: Start Googling, read about them, ask them to meet for coffee. Um and just say, hey, we would be interested in potentially partnering with you um, for referrals. We would love to hear a little bit more about you. Mm-hmm. Um and then have a list. Have a list of people. Have somewhere on your website that says, like, if you're if you're a clinician in the area and you're interested in being added to our, you know, our partnerships, we would love to have a conversation about that. Like wow. give some clear action items for us as clinicians to then know how to partner with you and how you might be interested. Um toss out the need of like. Right. Hey, Hannah. You and I even started connecting about these types of topics because you posted on social media about, "Hey, I'm looking to talk to someone about X, mm-hmm. and look at what's come from that." Right. So if we just say, "Hey, we're looking to add to this resource list who who should we know about?" Yeah. There's no shame in not knowing that. Mm. Right. Um, right. Um, and then I think there's the other piece that everyone has to acknowledge is therapy costs money, yeah. um, and so if your congregation is a congregation that has a benevolent fund. Um, I think you would be remiss not to
1: wow, seriously
2: great. look at what it could look like for you to um, not, not open-endedly uh, provide therapy for, you know, pay for therapy for your people, but, uh, cause I realize that's not realistic, but what, what could it look like for you to say, Hey, we are going to negotiate with this clinician a reduced rate Hmm. And um, we will pay for ten sessions for people wow. uh-huh. in our congregation, hmm. like that. That's a real thing, like that I do with a church in my area because I love them and I believe in them, and so I keep spots open for that. So, hmm. um, again, if we're going to talk about all of these things as a value, then we have to be willing to put our money, you know, where our heart is.
1: Right. Yeah. That's So good. Yeah. That's great. Um, Lindsay, this has been so fantastic. I love how you talked about a little bit about implementation, building strategy, um, the whole story arc on how to create something that maybe we do not have in our Um, organizations and something that we should focus on to build better communities. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious though, I'm always fascinated with like um, the, how do we, we react, or how do we uh, live our lives when something fails or breaks down? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about uh, when it comes down to building a strategy. So we build a mental health strategy, but then mm-hmm. what happens when it like breaks down, fails, etc.? Like, what are some things to maybe remember? What our initial response should be? Yeah. Um, what are some things that we should be thinking through when maybe the the strategy that we implemented failed or maybe didn't work. What is how does resilience play into yeah. that? Um yeah. said, like get the ball rolling, keep doing something. I would just love to talk about the failing part. Like if yeah. we if it breaks yeah. down, what should we do? What should that's our good. our response? I,
2: that's a great question. And the the something that came to mind was what a, a mentor of mine said to me once. She said, I was a I was a fantastic parent before I ever had children. <laughs> Um, and I think, I think that that can apply to situations yeah. like this. Like we can have beautiful strategies before people come in and muck it up. Mm. Uh, yeah. we, once human people <laughs> come yeah. into yeah. our perfectly curated strategy, it's going to get messy and things aren't going to be perfectly executed. Mm. Um, and so I think it, it's even just having a posture of, um, this is not rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a um, this isn't a rigid process. it's it's really more of a flow chart um and and it's going to be a, a constant tweaking, constant learning, constant receiving feedback um being told when hey, I think we'd misstep done like this was a misstep. It's debriefing with your team, right? If God forbid I I hope I hope that this is never what churches experience and yet I know that it will. Right. That there is a student who has a suicide attempt. Right. Right. Um, you, you wrap around, you care, you implement your plan. And then there needs to be a space of debriefing of like, what went well, what didn't.
0: Wow. That's Mm. really good.
2: Right. And it doesn't have to be just for those crisis things. It can be for, Hey, um, this, this was this care situation that I was dealing with. Um, and if it was a leader that was dealing with it, then somebody on staff or in know if they're if you're going to form a mental health team or committee or whatever how you want ever you want to phrase it they need to follow up with that person and debrief with them Mm. um they need to say hey um okay i understand that this is a situation how do what do you feel like worked well about our plan and what what didn't what would you have rather had seen um honestly i think the people that i talk to both personally and professionally who have been most harmed um by church leadership failings in situations like this isn't even the it isn't always the initial response it's the lack of follow-up
0: yes
2: um and so i think and don't get me wrong the initial response matters but i think i think well-intentioned people can go into these spaces and like they have a really great plan and then they there's never follow-up care for the leader who just had to do X, Y, Z or have these conversations, then that leader is going to like the trust will break down with that leader.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so good. I I just have one quick question before we wrap this up. Um, I, I feel like there's two types of people when it comes down to like, um, how we operate like reactionary or proactive people right and you talked a little bit about crisis Mm. um god forbid you know someone you know some crisis happens within our our Mm. congregation um i would love to talk a little bit real quick about that like how important is it to be more proactive with Mm -hmm. implementation of mental health Versus only being maybe reactionary Mm. based on crisis. Because I feel like culturally, more often than not, uh, when a crisis happens, then we want to react. But how important is it to be people that care by being proactive about something so crisis doesn't happen?
2: Well, okay. So I want to, unfortunately, I think crisis will happen regardless of how proactive we are. Okay. Um, Great. And so just even taking that burden off of people, like you're the, the call on our life is not to keep people from suffering
1: oh, that's fair. It's to, uh,
2: is to be able to walk with them and not cause further harm in their suffering. Yeah. Um, and so I would say that having a proactive policy strategy plan, whatever you want to call it. It it allows you then when the thing happens to be able to respond, not so react. Cool. Well, that's, yeah, um, yeah. But that's that's the pivot. That's the difference, right? You might react and and honestly execute it beautifully, and no, and it goes great. Mm-hmm. But is that rep, is that can you replicate that? Um, mm-hmm. Can you can you disciple another leader in that so that they know how to do that? So um, this can't just be like grandmother's recipe that. God forbid, yeah. you know when she passes nobody knows how to make her pie anymore. Like that's not how this can be. This has mm-hmm. to be like hey, watch me do this. Mm-hmm. Now go teach someone else how to do it. Um which is which is the way of Christ. Right. It, we're just applying those discipleship practices that every church leader mm-hmm. I think honestly if you've been in church leadership in the last 15 20 years, you've you've, you've sat under someone teaching about discipleship and there's right. a reason for that. This wow. is this is a way to employ that same process in a very practical um, avenue in our churches.
0: That's amazing. Lindsay, this conversation once again has been so helpful, so insightful, and for those of you watching I really believe this is an opportunity for us mm-hmm. to really look around at our organizations, our churches, our communities, and ask the really hard questions. I know listening as the CEO of Generation Think. I'm thinking, how can we make sure that we're having a process in place for our young leaders? And I hope that you're feeling challenged in those ways as well. Lindsay, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, if our listeners watchers want to go and find more of your content and resources, uh, where can they go to find that?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of really exciting things coming um, where I'm formalizing some of these things uh, so that people can um, enjoy them so I can partner with them more um uh, succinctly and 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 better. But for now, uh you can find me on Instagram at, at Linz L-I-N-D-S Blodgett, or you can email me uh, at linds
0: or Linzblogget at gmail.com. Perfect. I love it. Well, we're so grateful for your work, for your voice, for what you're doing and make sure everyone go follow her on Instagram. So you can see when those new opportunities are released into the world. It's going to be so great. Um, Thank you so much for those of you watching to be here today. We're so grateful. Yeah.
1: We're so grateful. Thank you so much for tuning in. Also, if you have not heard, Exponential is coming to a city near you. You can go to exponential.com slash events, and we're going to be hosting our regional events in the city close to you. So check it out.
2: We'll be in the Chicago one.
1: We'll be at the Chicago one. It's going to be epic. So anyways, we're so excited. We'll see you back here in a next week. Next week. We'll be back. All right. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, guys. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts and more. That is leadnet.org.